this is the fourth podcast of the Basics of Software Engineering course. And in this podcast, Juha Itkonen from Sober IT is going to tell us about software quality practices. Good morning, everyone. Okay, so my name is Juha Itkonen and I'm going to tell you about quality practices today. And on Friday, I'm going to tell you more about quality assurance. So I have these two lectures on this week are divided between the uh, two topics. Uh, the first, today's topic, quality practices, is more, more on the lower level uh, things around quality assurance, uh, practical uh, means of, of uh, creating quality. And, and on Friday's lecture, we talk about quality assurance, which is kind of higher level higher level view on the quality quality topics so uh, the contents of today's lecture is divided on three parts first i like to clarify some basic concepts uh, quality what is quality practices some Little, little more thoughts about V model of testing. I guess you have uh, V model is introduced to you on earlier lectures. Am I correct? How many of you know what is V model of testing? Yeah. Okay. At least half of you know. Uh, some deeper uh, thoughts about V model, and then three uh, three very fundamental concepts of testing: test levels, test types, and test phases are, are uh, introduced. And then we go through some, some basic uh, quality practices, software quality practices. First, two, two perhaps the most common testing techniques, boundary testing and combina combinatorial testing, and then introduction to reviews and inspections. So let's start, start with these uh, fundamental concepts that I would like to uh, cl clarify a little bit more. The reason why I go through these concepts perhaps quite uh, deeply and, and, and uh, with a little bit different view than you have in your coursebook is that uh, typically in, in books these concepts are not too well, kind of too clearly uh, described too clearly uh, separated and, uh, and I think that it's good to understand the differences and, uh, and, and the ideas behind these concepts because then it's easier to understand when you study more it's, it's easier to understand uh, different uh, quality assurance concepts and issues, techniques, and, and especially how quality assurance activities relate to the uh, bigger big picture of software engineering due to software development process as a whole. So let's start with the concept of quality practices. In a short, short definition is that quality practices are means of achieving quality goals. So when you develop software, you want to aim to some 
some level of quality, some, some specific quality uh, characteristics or properties of the software. And you can, you can say that you have, you have some kind of quality goals. And in order to achieve those goals, you need some means to do it, some means to achieve your quality goals. And typically, the quality doesn't just happen, it doesn't just appear in the software kind of uh, as a side effect of, of having fun and, and drinking soda and, and, and just coding and fixing. You, you need some means, some techniques, methods, uh, tools, etc., to achieve uh, accept, acceptable quality level or, or good enough quality in the end product. And I use the term quality practices to describe the uh, low-level uh, actual concrete practices that you use that you think that help you to achieve your goals. And examples of, of such practices could be all testing on all levels are, are, are quality practices. Reviews are quality practices. On today's lecture, we go through some, some basic testing techniques and some uh, different types of reviews. In addition, for example, many, many software uh, engineering practices like, uh, for example, using conventions, standards, coding conventions, very low level things uh, can be seen as quality practices because the uh, kind of goal behind using using these, these things is to, to uh, affect on, on the quality of the end product. Uh, prototyping, uh, the software process, mechanisms in, in software process, how, how you can get early feedback, react to changes, for example, many practices from agile, agile development can be seen as quality practices. And why it is important to kind of uh, think about quality practices and, and say that these things are our quality practices is that when, when you consciously select practices that you are going to use, use to achieve your goals, then it uh, puts you to kind of think through, okay, what, I'm, what we are going to achieve uh, in terms of, of, of the software quality in this project, what is important for, for our, our product, uh, what kind of quality characteristics are important? Okay, do we have means? Do we have uh, uh, methods or techniques to achieve those goals? And and we also then when when we practice those those uh, methods and uh, and use techniques during software development, we have some idea why we are doing it. We are not doing it just because. Uh, we have read some book or, or heard some, some consult to say that it's a good thing to write unit tests. We, we have also some, some idea of what, what we are aiming to by writing our unit test, what information we think that unit tests uh, can give us, what problems we think that uh, the unit test catch, that tests catch that we, we write and so on. Okay, what's the difference between quality practices and quality assurance? Uh, I view the thing like this, that quality practices focus on building good quality in, into the software products. So, so it's building quality 
having some means to, to achieve quality goals. Uh, we use uh, quality practices as part of software development project, as part of develop, software development work, part of coding, part of, part of design work, and so on. Uh, there are practices that developers, testers, and, and perhaps uh, testing team, uh, project man manager, and, uh, and all the all the stuff that uh, all the people that actually create the software uh, do. So quality practices are not uh, uh, tasks of, of some uh, individual or, or outsourced. Uh, <coughs> Or, or kind of a general quality assurance team. These are tasks of, of the development team, which I used to build in the quality and also evaluate the achieved quality so that we can know when we have written some code, we have developed some, some uh, functionality and, and nice features. And we have some means of knowing if we have uh, achieved acceptable level of quality, what kind of problems we still have in our product during the, and, uh, and so on. That kind of, we, can, we can reveal and, and, uh, and create that kind of information during the software, software project and, and act, act to any, any problems that, that we reveal by these practices. And quality assurance, in the other, on the other hand, he focuses on controlling and tracking. So the goal is, is, is uh, mainly to assure that defined processes and practices, uh, methods, and, 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 and so on are, are followed. That we, we kind of make sure that we, uh, we act as we have this, uh, planned. We, we follow our plans, we, we use, use our defined process, we, we use the practices that we think that are good for, for uh, achieving quality goals. And this quality assurance is typically performed by a separate quality assurance team, SQA team. Uh, but on, today we don't go any deeper to the quality assurance. Uh, on Friday we we talk more about that side. Okay, uh, next concept to go through today is V model of testing. How many of you have seen this picture? Okay, good. More than people that 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 admitted knowing what is V model. So at least the picture is is familiar to you. Uh, okay, the V model is the most most common way of describing how testing should be done as part of software development project or process. So how, how testing testing tasks are related to to development. And the basic idea, of course, is that that we have a different development phases. First, we we uh, elicitate and, and document requirements, then we write specifications and designs on, on, on a different levels, going to the deeper and deeper uh, details. And, and at the lowest level, we have a coding phase when, when, when we implement, implement our, our ideas at the most, most concrete level as a source code. And then we kind of 
reverse that that uh, structure and, and start testing with the most most uh, smallest details. And then when the smallest details, we have verified smallest de details by unit testing, then we proceed on integration testing, put more things together and, and try to uh, test and ensure that everything works, works out. And then we proceed to system level and so on. And this is a common and, and easy to understand model of, of of describing software testing. And the main implications, what this model kind of says, or, or uh, how, how this model's software development is, is that it, it, it says that it's a good idea to have a blueprint. So it's a good idea, good idea to have a plan first. And it's it's good idea to have a hierarchy of plans on a, on a different levels, so high-level requirements, then architectural design and, and detailed design and so on. And when we have these plans, it's, it's very uh, good to use these plans in, in testing as part of testing each of these, these uh, blue, blueprints. And on the testing side of the V model, the key idea is to start with the small details. Start with the unit testing to reveal a simple or, or uh, low-level coding, coding defects, writing errors, that kind of uh, uh, small uh, uh, defects that are related to small details by isolating a small part of the software at a time. It's easy to find defects in a small part, and after we know that we have tested all the small parts. It's easy to kind of proceed proceed uh, on the higher levels, put more things together, and find defects that are related to to uh, functionality and issues between the the uh, issues in the interfaces between the, the small smaller modules or components, and so on. Then proceed to to uh, finding finding defects that are related to, to the, uh, how the system works as, as a whole with all, all the components and, and, and uh, functionality put together. And finally, the acceptance, acceptance level is, is the kind of higher, highest testing level, which focuses on the uh, user requirements, how the users or, or customers can actually use the system, is it possible for the customer to achieve the benefits that the system was built for? And as this model is, is of course, based on traditional waterfall, uh, one of the key ideas is, is that it's better to kind of finish one task before proceeding to next task that is dependent on the, on the earlier task. So, so it's a good idea to try to do, do uh, clarify the requirements first, document then, and, and, and after that, go to the uh, lower level design and so on. Don't write the code before, before the architecture is, is designed and so on. And same, same with the testing part. Okay, so this model has many benefits. First. Uh, the biggest benefit is that it is very intuitive, very simple, very easy to understand, very easy to explain, kind of uh, 
easy to put the, put together the, the kind of fundamental uh, relationships between development and testing uh, activities. It's easy to use for training people, uh, even people outside of the software engineering field can understand it, it easily. So, so if you describe your process using V model, it is, it is uh, possible to communicate uh, your, your process to your customer, uh, even if the customer is not familiar with the software development processes. It's quite adaptable because it's so simple. It's easy to adapt to different situations. It doesn't put too much, too much uh, detail and restrictions. Uh, and typically, this kind of using this kind of model is better than not using any any model in any any larger project. However, uh, there has been very much very very large amount of critique critique towards the, this model and uh, biggest biggest problems seem to be that this is very document driven it kind of describe, describes the, the software development work as, as a uh, series of documents designed uh, requirements documents specifications design documents code and then testing based on on this all this documentation uh, and it's, it, it, if, we, if we just read, the, uh, look at the model and don't, don't kind of add things to it and, and don't, don't uh, 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 change it anyway, it, it, it asserts that, for example, testing on each level is designed based on the, on the deliverables of, of the matching uh, design phase, for example, uh, acceptance testing is, is or system testing is based on the requirements documents, not, not on any other documentation, which is not always true. And in addition to this document-driven uh, focus in, in, in this model, another big problem is that it doesn't actually communicate chains, which is very, very typical uh, thing in, in in every software development project. So in practice, you know that software is developed in, in a kind of a series of hand, handoffs. It's not just a, it's not, not like you, you write the code in the coding phase and, and as a one, one single handoff, you, you dump the code to the testing phases and so on. So, so in, in, in practice, there are series of hand, handoffs incremental hand, handoffs of code uh, uh, and uh, this model ignores this fact. It, it cannot be used to kind of describe the, how the things are actually in real, how things are done in, in real projects when, when it, it doesn't follow smoothly the, the kind of ideal waterfall. Uh, and even if we were following this kind of very, very basic waterfall, mod waterfall model, uh, this model does not show how changes, we always have to do changes during the project, we always have to test and do fixes. In each testing phase, we reveal uh, 
large number of defects that has to be fixed and retested and so on. Uh, we have several testing rounds uh, between of which we have new builds, new fixes, new changes. It doesn't describe how, how these things are handled. And it, it also kind of matches that, that for example, all system uh, described, describes all, all testing levels so that, for example, all system level tests are, are run together at the same time. All the integration testing is run together uh, just before the system testing. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't fit to, to a modern iterative or incremental development. And even if we are not doing incremental development, it doesn't uh, describe the uh, uh, normal kind of incrementality uh, uh, testing and fixing cycles and, and all changes inside the project. So it is very important to understand these kind of flaws or limitations or, or uh, properties of, of this model when you use it for describing, for example, giving high-level idea of, for example, your, your software development process or, or project. It's good to understand that there are, there are things that are not visible in this model and things that are there and, and should be handled somehow. And from this discussion, we get to the three uh, fundamental concepts that we use to describe testing, testing processes, testing as a part of software development processes, levels, types, and phases. And typically these things are totally mixed and, and, uh, and uh, poorly described in, in many books, textbooks, and, and, uh, and uh, articles, and, and I guess that on some level it's, it's also true for, for your, your course book. Uh, because these three things are different things, but typically they are somehow mixed, somehow, somehow level, for example, levels and types are thought as, a, as the same thing, or somehow levels are connected to the testing phases. And, and, and many times these connections uh, are existing in, in, in some processes, but not always. We can, easy, easy way to see this is to take, take uh, very, very, some extreme agile, agile process, for example, extreme programming and, and Scrum, and try to think through how, how these things are visible there. And then, then you kind of can realize that these are not the same thing. So uh, when we talk about test levels, uh, that is a, one good thing that V-model we model brings to us. So the testing is done on a, several levels. It's not a one, one big, big bunch of, of, of testing and reporting, it's, it's uh, many it's activities on, a, on a several levels. And test level refers to the level or size 
of the target of testing. So when we are testing, is the target single module, is the target uh, some convenient uh, bunch of modules or components, when we are, what we are trying to integrate to work together, is the target the whole system, is the target uh, many whole systems. So uh, it can be seen as a description of, of, of detail and abstraction. So how big things we are we are focusing on. <coughs> and now it's it's easy to kind of see that okay, these are phases. First unit testing, then we proceed to integration testing, system testing, acceptance testing. But don't make this this kind of direct assumption because it's not always that way. Of course, if we take a one piece of code, it first should go to the unit testing and then that piece of code goes to the integration system testing and acceptance test. But it doesn't mean that, for example, in a project, all unit testing is done first and then all integration testing and then all system testing. There are no such connection between the levels and phases in all cases. So unit testing is a testing on, a, on the lowest level. So it is testing that we it is focused on the on the smallest testable pieces of the software, and, and it kind of depends on the case and technology what 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 will be the smallest piece of testable uh, smallest testable component, and it's typically focuses on programming errors errors low level things. It's the components are tried to test in as isolated as possible. Uh, it's, it's a clearly a developer's job uh, and it's also known as component module program testing. And when you go to different companies, you can, it, uh, in, in a, uh, companies that use mo modern processes, for example, agile development, the unit testing is focused very, very small things. Perhaps a few dozen lines of code at, at a time. And, and <coughs> but, but then if you go to the, some Old, old, uh, older uh, software house that builds big systems. They can, they might use the term unit testing or, or actually module testing or program testing, and they mean something like uh, pieces of 50,000 lines of code or, or something like that. So uh, the ter term terminology in in our field and especially in testing field is is very, it's it's not uh, kind of fixed or, or uh, there are no, no, no general agreed agreed meanings for all, all these terms. That that it, it seems to differ very very much between different companies and organizations. That's good to good thing to keep in mind. Okay, and in integration testing, you took more than a one already unit tested unit together and 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 test how they work together, focusing on interfaces. Uh, for example, in, in modern, modern uh, continuous unit testing using automated unit testing frameworks and, and continuous integration, it, it, this uh, uh, kind of low-level integration testing is, is difficult to kind of separate at all from the unit testing. But then you, you 
in many times you have a sort of higher level integration testing when you integrate the bigger bigger components or subsystems together or even you can have a more integration levels after here after acceptance level when you integrate big bigger systems together and it's kind of depends how do you want to describe it. is it is it totally different different uh, project and process or, or or is it just a more levels uh, after the acceptance testing or system testing of a, of a single system. Okay, then system testing, the, the idea of system testing is, is to test uh, the system as a whole, uh, meaning without drivers or stubs or, or uh, such a kind of a uh, help, helper code for running the system. So all the all the uh, bits and pieces are, are in place when you do, do the system testing, but it not, does not necessarily mean that we do it only after all the features are completed. It only re requires that you have those features that you testing is focused is are implemented on a level that that everything is there. For example, you have a real database there and, and real user interface and not, not stop the, uh, some, some stop database and, and, uh, and mock user interface. So that there are the, all the real things are there. Uh, and typically on uh, system level testing brings together the functional and also the non-functional testing. You can do the non-functional testing also in, in lower levels, but typically it, it, uh, it comes to the big chain in, in this phase or on the, on, on, on the system level. And typically in this, this phase, we, we want to have some independency. So, so we have some, need to have some independent testers. Uh, on the unit and, and integration level, it's not as critical to have independent testers. Typically, uh, using when using good rigorous practices, the developers can can handle this low-level testing quite well. And acceptance testing, it's a it's an in, in interesting level because it's kind of the final stage of validation. Focusing on, on, on the customer satisfaction. Can the customer or the end user actually use this system for the purpose that it was built? Uh, and it should be performed. The, the idea of acceptance testing is, is to take the system to the real operating environment. So take out of the developers or, or testers testing environment and, and bring, bring it to the real environment uh, and try to find all the problems that, that could could uh, uh, could prevent or 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 make it difficult for the for the real users to use it for the real job. The idea is, is not the idea is to, that the, all the kind of programming errors and and, and, and the clear uh, clear bugs are revealed already on the lower lower levels and, and on this level there are not not too much too many things to find anymore. And it's, it seems to be more relevant for the project business. When you have clear clear customer and uh, 
uh, customer that you can that can kind of take part to the acceptance testing and give the acceptance for the project or system based on, on, on the testing results. In product business, where you have uh, many customers or, or, or uh, end user customers, uh, then you, you cannot, you don't have the one customer that could do the acceptance testing and, and say that yes, this is good or, or, or these things have to be fixed and then, then we can accept it. Uh, then it's not so clear what is actually acceptance testing. There are, for example, beta testing programs that, that are, are quite close to, to the acceptance testing in product business and, and but mostly it seems that the user viewpoint and the validation should be part of the, of the uh, testing all the time in, in product business. Then, what are test phases? Well, this is quite simple. Test phases are kind of temporal part, parts in testing process that follow sequentially each other, more or less overlapping. And test phases might match to the test levels or, or might not. And that there is nothing, nothing kind of Nothing more about this concept. There are just phases in a process or project. Uh, if you think the very iterative development, uh, you can see that phases typically don't match to the test levels, or, or it, it might be difficult to even even to recognize any phases in, in a very very uh, fast-paced iterative process. And then the third concept, test types. Uh, again, test type is a concept that is not directly, does not directly match to, test types do not directly match to, to any test levels or, or test phases. Test type is a kind of group of testing act activities that aim evaluating software uh, for a certain quality characteristics. So testing that is focused on, let's say, performance, uh, testing that's focused on uh, functional correctness or, or usability. And you can, you can always apply these different types of testing uh, on different levels, even though in many books these, for example, all non-functional testing are, are described as a system testing uh, techniques or types, but it's not always that way. So here are some examples of, of what are different test types. For example, performance load, stress testing, volume testing, and so on. Now some of those described in your book. So. As a simple uh, visual example, how, for example, uh, test levels and phases could match in an in a iterative process. Uh, we can see, for example, in here we have a you know, first phase or, or let's say first iteration of or first 
uh, first week of our project, for example, we have a uh, component C1 and C2 in unit testing. So we have implemented some, some of the first components in, in our project. Uh, they are being unit tested right after the development. And then, let's say next week, uh, things proceed. Uh, C3 is already implemented and in unit testing. And we can already proceed to the integration testing with C1 and C2. So we don't wait necessarily that all, 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 all components are implemented before we proceed to the integration testing and so on. Uh, next week we might be able to go to the system level testing with C1 and C2. We are integrating C3 at the same time and C4 is, is being implemented and, and unit tested. And then we might want to wait some time, want to synchronize that, that uh, wait until the, all the C1, 2, 3 and 4 are, are system test until we go to the acceptance testing. And then we, we have, have this part of the system ready. So we can incrementally uh, perform, perform testing activities on, on different levels. Okay, then we go to testing techniques. Uh, why do we need testing techniques? Do you have some idea? You have read your book, I think, for the midterms. Yeah, we have a break after I have one answer to this question. Any idea? Yeah. Meet the quality of service. Meet the quality of service. Okay. Is this the only only thing that comes to your mind? More? Yeah. Good. So, yeah. So, what extent we want? We use techniques to, to define what, or, or find out what extent we want to test our software, and how much, and what are. Yeah. To what depth we go? How deep do we do we test? So, good good examples. Uh, testing techniques are quite varied set of, of um, things. It is a term that is used used to describe almost any methods or approaches in in testing field. So there are uh, things for or, or methods for dif different purposes. But uh, out of a uh, the fundamental thing behind the problem of testing is that complete testing is impossible, as you have already learned on this course. And we have some means of systematically or, or uh, some, some good ways of selecting good tests from the uh, high or, or uh, very large space of all possible tests. And testing techniques we are using to help help us in this this work. 
But okay, so we need testing techniques to select some manageable subset of test cases that we can use to test our product. And it would be nice to have such a subset of test cases that have a high probability of revealing the defects that exist in our, our program. This is the fundamental challenge of software testing, of course, how to select good tests that will actually reveal the defects and such set of tests that it's not awfully expensive to, to run them and design them. Okay, but there are also other, other needs, uh, other reasons to use techniques, some systematic approach. Uh, of course, we would like to have effective testing so that we find as, as many defects as possible. Uh, we like to have cost-effective testing, efficient testing so that we, we could find the faults without, <clears throat> without too much effort. And we have some, need some practices, uh, techniques or, or methods for planning and tracking testing, especially planning and tracking the coverage of testing so that we could plan and, and uh, follow, follow up how much of the software source code functionality requirements or, or whatever we want to, to track, how much of, of these are covered by our tests and where do we have a kind of holes in, in our testing approach. And one, one more uh, goal for using systematic techniques is uh, having more consistent results between different individuals doing the testing. This might be a good thing to kind of uh, know that all testers are following certain techniques, using certain techniques, following certain procedures, so that, that we can trust that uh, the testing work itself is on a, on a certain quality level. However, this, this, sometimes this might also kind of uh, push down the, the best testers so that they just follow, might follow a certain technique or procedures uh, even though they could, could do a better job by, by using more their experience and, and skills. So in a testing area, testing field, the term testing technique is used for many, many different kind of, of techniques or, or methods. Uh, the typical meaning is a procedure for selecting or designing tests. We could also, also use the term test design techniques. So how we design our test cases or tests. So that, that uh, it's based on some typically stru structural or functional model of the software and, and we, we can assume that the, the tests are successful in finding, finding faults in the software. But other kind of techniques are the uh, techniques for measuring test coverage or planning test coverage and the more general techniques, methods for managing testing, how to plan testing, how to manage the uh, 
all the all the testing as a whole, how to assign testing tasks to people and, and follow and, and track how testing proceeds and, and, and how to, to uh, react to problems. Now we go through two very basic testing techniques and I try to go go a little bit faster in this, this phase because I, I assume that you have read these things in your uh, textbook but but it might be that that there is some things that you have still unclear so please ask ask questions that comes to your mind con uh, concerning these these techniques so we go through boundary testing and com combinatorial testing uh, boundary testing is also called domain testing referring to the domains of, of uh, variables or, or, or uh, features in, in, in the software, not, not to the, it doesn't refer to the application domain. And it's divided to two, two separate uh, but connected techniques, equivalence partitioning and boundary value analysis. Should be on some level familiar to you. So the basic idea of equivalence partitioning is to kind of avoid unnecessary testing by partitioning the, for example, the values of, of uh, uh, some input, for example, some input, input uh, variable in the software. The possible values of that variable are partitioned in equivalent classes, for example, if it's an integer input, then we can then, uh, model it as a positive and negative and, and, and uh, that kind of equivalence classes. And the assumption is that the software uh, behaves similarly for all the different inputs inside each of these equivalence classes. So this means that we only need to test one one uh, value from each equivalence class. And this, of course, makes our, our amount of, of, of test cases much smaller than would be if, if we, if we uh, must test all possible values. And uh, of course, the theory behind this is that, that the software kind of behaves similarly for a large amount of, of different inputs, and there are certain classes of inputs when the software behaves differently. And now selecting a representative test case from each of these equivalence classes is one way of selecting test cases. And the boundary value analysis means that we, it might be a good idea to focus on the boundaries of these equivalence classes. The assumption is that if the programmer has made a mistake, then it's revealed on these boundaries. If, for example, uh, the system should behave differently with negative and positive inputs, then we, if there is some, uh, some mistake in this implementation, we can reveal it by testing near zero. So testing minus one and minus plus one might be enough. Okay, here's the same as a picture. 
the domain of, of some, some input values can be partitioned in, in a different equivalence classes and we select one from each. And focus on boundaries because we assume that if something's gone wrong, it will be re revealed in the, in the boundaries. Of course, you have to keep in mind that you don't know everything and there might be hidden boundaries. So that, for example, here you might know that it's implemented differently between 0 and, and 1000 and between 1000 and 5000, but there might be that the developer has done something very, some very fancy optimization and you just don't know that it also behaves differently with inputs that are greater than 10,000. So this, this is also always, testing is always based on, on some kind of explicit or, or, or a mental model of tester, model of how, how this feature or, or software works and there, there might be flaws in that model also. There are things that implementation level that, the, for, for example, uh, black box tester does not know. And here's the most classical example that is used for, for, for describing the testing techniques, uh, boundary value analysis and equivalence partitioning. This is from the uh, Glenford Myers book, The Art of Software Testing from the 70s. Uh, the idea is that we have a function, triangle type, that gets three inputs, uh, three integers, A, B, and C, or, or three floats, A, B, and C, and three, uh, as a describing the sides of a triangle, three sides, and it returns if, if the triangle is right-angled, isosceles, equilateral, or none of the above. So if you were testing this uh, feature or function, what kind of equivalence classes would you design for your tests? What different cases we should test if we would like to test this uh, function? Just shout. All sides are, are the same length. Yeah, all sides are same length. So that would be a valid example of, of uh, uh, equilateral triangle. More? Two sides are the same length. And one is different. Okay, that would be the isoskeles. Okay, then we also need a valid valid test cases for for the other ones. Uh, how about some invalid? Are there some some kind of invalid inputs that we should be we should test? One of the sides is longer than the two others put together. Yeah, that's good. One of the sides is longer than than the two two other other sides together. So uh, the sides do not form a triangle at all. Good. More. 
Okay. Uh, here are some e examples of the test cases. And now, by analyzing on a black box, black, kind of on a black box, from a black box uh, point of view, we don't know how this is implemented. We come to a very large amount of test cases. We have a we don't know if there's different, if we put the numbers in, in different order. So we should test all different orders, for example, right angle, triangle, uh, different kinds of isoskeles, triangle, equilateral. Uh, then we might consider uh, triangles that are very close to, to some of the kind of a boundary case, very close to, the, to some of the triangle types. Then, or invalid triangles, special values, zeros, negative, uh, all kinds of permutations of these, these things. Uh, different invalid triangles where the sides does not form a triangle at all. How about if we have a triangle that is both isoskeles and right-angled, perhaps we spotted a, a omission in, in specification here. If we don't know if the result should be one or two, if it's both isoskeles and right-angled, uh, and so on. And this is classical example where, where the original, original uh, Myers book lists, uh, was it around, around 13? test cases for this very small, simple, simple uh, uh, function. And, and later, Mr. Binder in his book list, listed around, was it 39 or something? And this just, just illustrates how, how kind of complicated a problem is to test, test uh, even very small functionality. And now we we have to somehow use our best judgment to, to select good test cases. And for example, assume that it doesn't matter in which order we put, for example, right angle triangle in, and it will work in, in all order, uh, in, in any order as well. But it might be that the implementation includes defects that that are indeed related to the order in which the numbers are inputted. Okay. Let's move on to the combinatorial test design. In the previous example, we already knew, uh, noticed that there were permutations of things, the input values. And, and this leads us to the one very essential challenge in software testing, the combinations. Uh, even with very small number of very simple inputs, features, widgets, anything that you can do with the software affect to the functions of the software, you get very high numbers of combinations if you think, uh, think through, through how what, what are all the, all the ways that the user could com combine these inputs or, or selections or, or uh, uh, functions 
of the software. And this is a problem for the software tester, because the tester typically does not know all the relationships or dependencies between, between different, different features or between different selections or inputs that the user can, can make. Uh, there are usually features in a software uh, combine many, many uh, affecting options, inputs, or, or other features. And in principle, if we don't know anything about the implementation or of the software, we should uh, kind of verify all these combinations. That, for example, putting a negative number in one field and a positive number in other field doesn't break the system, or putting a positive number for the first field and negative number to the second field, and so on. But in practice, of course, uh, covering all combinations will be will be uh, impossible. So we need uh, also here we need some systematic techniques to kind of manage this this challenge. Uh, here is one one I would say quite typical example of 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 a dialogue in a, in a one software. This is from the batch processing of Irfan View uh, image viewer that you have some quite many uh, quite many op options and inputs that you can make. And now, as a software tester, when you come here and see, okay, I should test if this thing works correctly or, or if I can find any defects in this, is, it, is this correctly implemented? Uh, we can make a quick calculation and we come to, to the result that testing all the combinations of these, these uh, options, and actually it might be difficult to uh, analyze which combinations are re uh, relevant because we set a number of options and then these, all these our selections are applied to one or more uh, image files that are batch processed and, and there are, there are processing applied on the, on the files and, and different, different options applied to this process. So it might be very difficult to kind of separate that, okay, these things here on the, on the right are, are independent and does not depend on each other and, and only, only, for example, the scaling is, is dependent on, on, on some other feature. So if we just make the calculation, we get a pretty high number of of combinations, and to illustrate the size of the problem in, in this small example, we can we can count that uh, by automating this testing so that we can run thousand tests in a second. It would take a nine billion years to, to run these tests. So the problem is big. We need need some some approach to some other approach than than covering all the combinations. Of course, we we. We could just test test uh, each single feature by itself, and and then kind of trust that 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 if there are uh, 
relevant dependencies and problems, then they will they will appear also in, in when we test all the single each single feature. Uh, if we take a kind of a smaller example, smaller example, we can get, uh, for example, from saving options of PowerPoint, uh, we can get a smaller number. Uh, but still, for example, you can imagine that these saving options are not very, very uh, easy to automate, or, or it will take some time. So if we put uh, just manual testers to test this, it will still take a lot of time. So we would like to somehow be able to select select smaller amount of tests than, than almost 4,000 cases in, in, in this particular case. And you can see that I have uh, simplified this this by this example by by uh, putting there was a, a free text field that I have only counted three test cases for the three equivalence classes for the three te free text field field and, and so on. So you can make it much much more complicated in in a real real case. So what we can do? Uh, we have some some simple approaches and then there are there's a one paper that that describes at least 16 different combinatorial combinatorial uh, design test design techniques uh, which are, some are more more and some are less less practical but but the theoretical research there exists uh, quite a lot of theoretical theoretical uh, uh, techniques or, or, or ways of doing doing combinatorial test test design but I just show some simple simple examples so that you get grasp grasp on, on, on this issue and how to how, how you could approach this so let's take a simple example uh, find and find find feature with uh, only three three uh, inputs the text the match up lower selection and and backwards forwards selection we have three inputs and we also want to consider if if the search text is found or not found so we have kind of four four variables that we model with with this kind of uh, equivalence classes upper lower mixed for the text uh, selected or not selected for these two options and, and the search text is found or not found to make things easier and simpler so if we would like to cover all combinations then we would get 24 test cases it's not too much but by adding more few more widgets or, or options for example search and replace will kind of explode this thing things and, and we need some other uh, means to, to handle this so the simplest way of dealing with combinations is of course to forget about the combinations and just test all values once so we can we can select such test cases that for each of our value uh, variables we get we test all the possible values and we don't care about the combinations so then it's possible with three test cases to cover all all the single values of all these three three uh, 
three variables. But it's important to kind of notice that with this kind of approach, uh, some typical cases are easily missed. So for example, here we, we see that uh, only for the last test case, we have the case that actually the, the search text is found. So it might be a diffic little difficult to, to uh, infer any, any, make any, any statements considering the quality based on, on, on the tests that, that actually does not find the search text. Okay, next is next strategy that we could use is the base choice strategy or def default strategy. Might be in your book. I'm not sure if this is described there, but these two names have commonly been used. And the idea is that we first take the kind of most typical case and we ensure that at least the most typical case gets tested and it gets tested well. So the typical case in this, this the default case in this case would be that we have an uppercase text and we, we actually use match case, use match, uh, case matching so that we know if there is problem in, in, in recognizing uh, differences in the, in the uh, search text uh, capitalization and forward direction yeah, text is actually found. And now we just uh, vary one, one variable at a time. We go through all the, all the uh, different possible values, but we all, the, all times keep all the other variables in the de their default values. Then we always are testing quite typical cases and we also know if the test fails, we know that, okay, now is, if this test here fails, we know that, okay, changing the match case setting actually caused the test to fail. It's easier to analyze. But again, uh, we don't get systematical coverage for the combinations, but we at least know that we have tested all the all the uh, separate features or, or variables. Uh, the most common way of actually trying to cover combinations is pairwise testing. Uh, pairwise testing is based on the idea that we don't cover all combinations, we cover all pair combinations of all of the values of all of our variables, meaning that uh, in our test cases there exist all possible pair of values of any, any two variables that we have modeled in, in our test design. And why this would be a good good technique is based on an assumption that most of the defects in software software systems are either single mode defects, so they are related only one variable or double mode defects, uh, meaning that the uh, defect is related to certain values of two variables or options or settings or whatever. Uh, so if we test all possible 
combinations of two, two different variables, then we get, uh, we are able to, to reveal those defects. And also we assume that we can, we can restrict our testing to, to all pairs because it's, it's uh, very, very, uh, uh, it's very seldom that the defect is related to three or more uh, variables having a certain specific combination of values. This all, uh, of course happens, but, but we have to draw the line somewhere. So in our example, we could get, uh, get away with six test cases in this, this case to, to cover all the pair combinations. But I also note that because this is kind of mechanic, mechanical way of genera generating combinations, typically using some software tool that, that, that outputs we, we input our, our variables and their possible values and uh, we use some, some tool to output all the combina pair combinations. So this is mechanical uh, process where, where there is no guarantee that kind of typical combinations get tested. For example, in this case, uh, oops, in this case, these two cases are not there, even though there are all pair combinations, which, has, which are quite typical cases where we have lowercase text match case option selected forward, forward searching and is, uh, the text is found and, and similarly mixed case text match case selected forward, forward searching and, and, and the text is found. They are not there. And still, but still there are all the pair combinations. So we could, could take a different approach uh, to start with or to make sure that uh, in addition to pair combinations, we also have all relevant cases covered. And the decision tables are, are technique that can be used to model, model rules that we business rules that we want to test. So it's a very simple idea to put in a table uh, conditions, which can be the variables, same, same thing as, as the variables in, in the earlier example, uh, their values and what actions, what should happen when, when these conditions are met. And this, this doesn't this technique doesn't, is not based on a, on a kind of systematic coverage of, of, of all possible combinations by some criteria. Instead, this is, uh, this is a technique that, that is based on, on, let's say, requirements or, or, or uh, other kind of understanding of, of the business logic of the system, how the system should work. So it, it, it's, uh, it's based on the, some form of uh, knowledge of the most important cases, the relevant combinations. So for example, we could have a, uh, some kind of sales system here where we have a variables that say that if we have a, have a sale, 
hullut päivät going on in our, our store. Uh, what is the salesperson? Uh, what is the age of the customer? So we are, we want to give some, some discount based on a, for a young or, or, or pensioner customers. And we, customers also might have some kind of discount coupons. And, what, and the actions that these, these uh, conditions affect in this case are how much, how many percent discount the customer gets and how much the customer needs to, to spend to earn some bonus on, on, on his or her plusakortti or, or some, some bonus points. Okay, then we can kind of model these rules. What are the basic rules? That, okay, we have a young customer. Uh, if, if the customer is young, the discount will be 10% and, and, and the, uh, he or she must spend 10 euros to get some bonus and so on. And then for pensioners, same, same thing. And if we have a sale going on, then the discount is 50% and, and sale with the coupon means 70% discount and sale, sale with the age discount means 55% and so on. So we can model the basic rules. But as this, this is not kind of systematic, this is not aimed to a systematic coverage, it might be that there is something missing there. Uh, for example, here, how about the bonus limit for a middle-aged customer and no sale? So, so it says that uh, perhaps to, uh, we can assume that the middle-aged customer does, doesn't get any discount if there is no sale or coupon, but how about the bonus limit? This doesn't tell it. So this might be also a good, good technique to kind of uh, read requirements, specifications, if they are written in narrative text, difficult to understand, to get grasp, grasp of the, of the, of the all, all different things, write down this table and try to identify missing in information and, and, and all you can specify your, your business rules this way and it will be easier for testers to, to test those rules if they all already have this kind of, kind of uh, presentation of the of the specification or requirements. And you can imagine if you could, if you would need to describe writing a free text, narrative text and describe, for example, these simple rules, it might be a bit difficult to, to understand, read and understand correctly. So if, if the specification is written in narrative text, then it might be, for a tester, it might be a good idea to try to somehow uh, put, it, put it down to a table and, and understand what are the rules and how it should be tested and how, how, many, how many empty cells there is, meaning that the information is missing from the specifications. Okay, then we have introduction to peer reviews left. How many of you know what reviews are? How many of you have participated reviews in some form? Hmm, should we practice? No time, sorry. Perhaps on the testing course if you, if you come later. Uh, okay, what are reviews? 
review is a meeting or process at which an artifact is presented to peers, the user, customer, or other interested parties for comments and approval. This is some kind of official definition from, from some glossary or standard. Uh, so it means that we have some artifact, piece of code, uh, specification, requirements, and then we get people around the artifact, read through it, and try to reveal problems in it or discuss uh, different solutions, try to make it better, improve the artifact. Uh, the goals of the review process might be typically it's identifying defects and trying to improve the quality of the artifact. There might be also educating and knowledge transfer goals and also there might be goals for, for uh, discussion to get better ideas. And reviews, especially formal inspections, have been studied quite a lot. So we actually know something about, about uh, uh, reviews and inspections from, from a scientific research. And it seems that typically reviews are a good way to reveal defects. Of course, it's, there is costs associated to, to conducting reviews, but, but typically we can uh, spot or reveal a quite a large number of, of or percentage of, of the defects in the artifact by using reviews. So that's why you should consider using reviews in your process. Uh, benefits, for example, compared to just testing, might be that uh, they can be done very early, <clears throat> before code is written, for example. Uh, it's easy to consider many different quality attributes, take many different viewpoints to the artifact. Uh, we can use it for distributing knowledge, uh, educating people. Uh, we can see the defect clearly. For example, in code review, we can see defect. there is a defect in the code. We don't have to kind of analyze, debug, and isolate. Uh, this is uh, working weirdly. Where, where is the defect? That this phase is completely removed. It's, it can be easily spotted where the actual defect is. Uh, and it also can, reviews can be used as a tool for a, a general uh, process improvement. It is a good way to gather uh, reliable information of the quality issues and to get good improvement ideas for the process improvement. There are several types of different, several different types of reviews. Uh, team reviews, formal inspection, walkthrough, peer review and pass around and peer programming that can also be considered as a one form of reviewing. Uh, team review is a quite informal way of, of doing the basic, uh, performing the basic review process where we have a planning phase where we select who will par participate, we schedule an actual meeting, we distribute the material in time for the participants, 
The participants do individual preparation, meaning they read through the artifact, identify all potential problems that they can, and write the, their notes down. Then we have a meeting where all the participants come together and go again through the artifact, present their findings, uh, take a quick discussion of, of is, is each of the findings is a defect or not, should it should be, should be noted or not. And after that is rework, where the artifact to de identified defects are first decided upon if, if they are corrected or, or, or what, what, what are we are going to do with the, with the findings. And then uh, defects that are decided to correct are corrected. And we have some way of checking that, the cor the, for, for example, using a, a review again to make sure that the corrections are, are correctly done or some other way of ensuring that. Goals are focused to revealing defects, perhaps transferring knowledge, and, and typically not too much of discussion solutions because especially in inspection meetings, it, it kind of, it's kind of expensive way of, of, of conducting lengthy discussions when there are many people present and perhaps two of those are, are really really uh, participating in, in a deep discussion of solution. And a very rigorous, uh, detailed, uh, uh, rigorous, uh, rigorously specified detailed process, detailed version of, of this review process called formal inspection means that uh, the roles are clearly defined, participants are trained, there are, there are uh, independent moderator leading the meeting. Uh, it's highly focused, there is no, it's, it's, uh, no, no excess discussion is, is allowed, it's focused only uh, revealing defects, no discussion on solutions. There are formal entry and exit criteria, it's carefully measured and tracked. Inspections are a very good way of of collecting certain measures and process improvement is an essential part of this. this it's, it's an essential, essential goal of, of formal inspection process that, that all findings are analyzed kind of to the level that we find, find good propositions how to improve our process based on what, what kind of mistakes we have, we have done. Walkthrough uh, is a reviewer which is leaded by the author of the, of the uh, artifact. So setting is such that the author kind of uh, presents his or her own artifact and, and, and leads the other parts through it. And, and it's, it's more, more like uh, uh, focusing on educating the other people about uh, presented thing, more, more this, this kind of setting than, than trying to spot, spot defects effectively. So it's a, uh, goals are different and, and typically does not, not include the individual preparation phase where, where each in, would go through the material individually and try to spot defects. Pair review and pass around are form of review, form of review where there is no meeting also known, known as body check. So somebody 
send the artifact for other people to read through, uh, find defects and other findings, and the other uh, participant re reports back, but there is no meeting arranged. So interaction in that sense is missing. Uh, and okay, that was a body check if, if you send it just for one person and, and then it's passed around if you send it to m multiple persons at the same time. And the last one is pair programming, meaning that two programmers are working so tightly to, together that they use a common keyboard and one common keyboard and, and computer and screen so that when other person is writing, the other person is reading at the same time and spotting defects and problems and discussing the solutions uh, simultaneously, for example, and, and during, during coding. And I guess you will learn more about pair programming and, and code, code quality and code, some forms of code review later on this course. So I, I conclude my presentation now. And okay, and um, uh, we have a, a software quality, testing and quality. What was it called, course? Your course? Yeah, software testing and quality assurance. When it's going to be held next? Uh, autumn. Okay, and um, it's very interesting course and useful. So if you're um, interested in software quality, I recommend it. Okay, let's give a round of applause to our guest lecturer.